Hello, loves. Um, before we get to our monthly medicine uh, episode today for November, I want to take a moment and lift up um, the GoFundMe of a beautiful friend of mine and friend of the podcast, um, Aaliyah Walston. Aaliyah is an absolutely exquisite, extraordinary tarot worker, um, intuitive, just the gifts and the medicine and the magic that Aaliyah brings to really everyone they know, and especially to their community through their work with the tarot, with spirit, especially inner child work. Um, Aaliyah is just, um, offers profoundly important work in that area. Um, it's really just extraordinary. And we were lucky enough to have Aaliyah as a guest on the podcast way back when. And I wanted to take the time to really boost and amplify their work. And also to name that, um, Aaliyah is moving through a very, very powerful, uh, transition right now. They are seeking and reaching out to, our community, the tarot community, the magical community for, um, support at this time that will help Aaliyah to stay rooted where they're living currently right now. And also support them during this time of, uh, really, really big. So many of us are going through this right now. Um, some really big and important evolutions and changes to their work. Um, and I think it's incredibly important a to support, uplift, amplify, um, black and BIPOC tarot workers of which, um, and non-binary folks, um, Aaliyah is a part of those communities, um, Aliyah's work is absolutely amazing. And, you know, because we're doing spiritual work and because we're not tethered into the same systems that someone working a nine to five might be who has benefits and comp and can take time off, we don't have that if we're doing magical work. Um, and it, I think, is incredibly important for us to offer support to each other and to our fellow tarot workers who are offering incredibly important work, especially during times where they're seeking that support in order to be rooted during times of transition, supported during those times. Um, and also when work, spiritual work wants to kind of move through big transitions, very often we don't have, many folks don't have the privilege of like stopping to allow for the necessary space for that to happen. And by donating to Aaliyah's GoFundMe, you're supporting an incredible worker, a member of this community, an incredible tarot um, healer and worker. Um, and you're allowing their work to become even more richer, more potent, more deeply rooted, especially in this time of great change. I think that's really important. I love Aaliyah. Um, it's been you know, they've been a deep buddy of mine for quite some time. And I just really cannot emphasize and invite you enough to support them with whatever you got going on. So the GoFundMe to support Aaliyah is in my, in the show notes for, um, this course, whether it's five bucks, whatever. I know times are really fucking hard for people. Um, I invite you if you can give to please give and to please share. Um, okay. Thank you so much for listening.
Hello, loves, and welcome back to Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack, and as always, it is such an immense joy, such a huge honor to be gathered with you in this virtual space. Happy Samhain, Day of the Dead, Halloween, to all of those who are celebrating and observing this sacred, holy, huge day on the spiral of the year. For those of you who don't, that's cool too. (laughs) Um, Bowing to everyone in their respective walks of life as we, you know, it's just such a powerful, powerful time. I mean, we can feel how thin the veil is, even if we don't necessarily have the words or the understanding for that. And all of us, um, you know, have different stuff to do, different work to do, different invitations, gifts, treasures um, that we engage with on the other side of the veil. So Samhain, Day of the Dead, is such an important, beautiful day for connecting with our ancestors, for honoring the great, big soul work and growth that we are doing with them, you know, whether they are, quote, well, spiritual ancestors or not, all of them bring something for us, whether they are assisting us in our work from the other side of the veil, or we are healing their legacy from their wounds or the damage that they've done, you know, we're always doing ancestral work. I really believe I um, observe Samhain's, I'm going to use that uh, title, but uh, please sub out for whatever you roll with, of course, whatever you observe, whatever um, calls you on this day. Um, But yeah, for me, you know, Samhain is such a powerful time because our senses are so... um, awakened. Like there's so much medicine and information that can come forward to us about, you know, again, what we're kind of mastering in our lifetime. What's some of the lineage work that we're doing? Um, And even beyond ancestry, um, because so many folks have such a beautiful practice of connection with their beloved dead, with their ancestry. Um, And it's so powerful to touch in with this time as the veil is so thin, um, answers, you know, clarity, communion with self, with the vast circle of love and protection and care that is shown to us all the time from the guides, ancestors, angels, wise beings, whomever you work with, whatever works with you. Um, It's such a beautiful time. I really believe that the the presence of them can be felt even more strongly than ever. Um, It's just such a beautiful time. And the idea that Samhain, um, which moves kind of with us through October 31st to November 1st, and obviously for some other folks celebrating different, um, uh, observing different celebrations of this time on the spiral of the year, um, you know, those dates may vary, 
But it's so lovely to think also about the fact that Samhain lands on a cross quarter. So what we're also doing is crossing the threshold between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. We're halfway between this time of moving into winter. You know, we're halfway there um, on the uh, northern hemisphere. On the southern hemisphere, it's opposite. But just how beautifully spiralic it all is about how we really are walking to this time when the nights are longer, the days are shorter, daylight savings time is happening this weekend. Um, we're being invited in. And that doesn't mean that we don't show up in our lives and in strength, that we don't use our voices, that we don't walk strongly forward, um, committing ourselves and taking action on what we believe. It means that we do that and we have a rich resource to return to. We can restore. We are capable of doing that. Um, and it's just such a deeply powerful time. It's really letting us know that one of the deep medicines, the deep offerings of our transition, you know, I tend to really be, I, I, I find a lot more connection with the cross-quarter holidays than I necessarily do the equinoxes or the solstices, although those are very powerful for me. I just tend to kind of enjoy <laughs> the cross-quarters a little more. But I've always really loved thinking about them like if there is kind of this beautiful journey, this path that moves us from one general experience, one seasonal cycle to another, let's say autumn to winter, that the thing that helps to propel us from this one season to the next is what's contained in the cross quarter. Um, I like to think about that makes sense to me. And I love the fact that what moves us from autumn, this season of shedding, of review, of um, dying, really, to a place of release, of rest, of cold, of um, hibernation, is the love of our ancestors, the help of the spiritual world help of the invisible realm, of the love and the good and the care and the assistance that's contained on the other side of the veil. And as always, we are, we have free will on this planet and are profoundly empowered to be really clear. If someone feels like it's a little bit too intense of a time for you, you're always, always empowered and permission to say, I'm only available for what's in my highest good on the other side of the veil, for what really wants to come forward as help, as protection, as nurturance, as safety. Um, I'm only available for that, you know. Um, we can use our words here. You know, it's really important. So it's just such a special time in my life. I imagine it's very special to many of you who are listening and um 
bowing to you, wishing you a rich, beautiful time. And of course, it's the full moon in Taurus on the same day. Hello. This incredible harvest energy. Every time we move through a full moon, every time, and it's a blue moon, which means we've had two full moons this month, one that has, one that ushered us into October, that came right at the beginning of the month, and now one that is birthing us out of this month and into November. Um, full moons are the review time. They're, they're the labor and delivery, so to speak. It's, it's the harvest. It's the tens in the tarot. It's the time when we reach the peak of a cycle and we clear and review. We integrate, we excavate, we inquire. What did we learn? What came forward for us? What's working? What's not? And on full moons, we always have the capacity. I mean, it's really just so beautiful. Every month we have the opportunity to work with this kind of natural um, rhythm of the currents, but we have the opportunity, you know, to harvest what's grown in our garden, really spread it out in front of us, look at it very closely and decide what we want to eat, what gets to be synthesized, what gets to be integrated, what gets to be um, included, woven into the whole, what's working. And sometimes we got to be really, uh, we have to kind of listen deeply there because sometimes we can have a lot of perceptions. We can judge ourselves and give ourselves a really hard time and think, well, because I don't have this, because I'm not here, because this isn't good enough, fast enough happening on a timeline I would prefer, um, it's not working. You know, that could be true. And also it could be happening at exactly the pace that it's meant to. And that's where we are deeply, um, you know, can, can be why it's just such a good idea to be checking in with the things that come up for us, to have a thought, to have an impulse, to have an invitation and to just take a gentle moment to pause and check in and say, I'd like to call in my inner resources, my guides, um, the parts of myself that are uh, really in touch with the truth, is this true? Is it true that, that um, you know, is, is that really important? Is that, um, are things actually happening exactly as they are meant to right now? Sometimes um, we can feel like that can uh, generate complacency and, you know, it really just depends on our willingness to look at things. Um, for me, I find that when I am able and willing to really see what things are, I'm much more empowered to be able to actually take action in a meaningful way. I find it very challenging to change anything about my life when I'm really believing that there's something wrong with it. Um, there's information to be found in any anything and everything it doesn't preclude us, prevent us from taking empowered action. I actually think it's the first step to empowered action. So full moons provide us with such a wonderful opportunity to do this kind of very deep reflection and to do so in the energy of Taurus. There has been a lot of major, major Taurian energy that I've felt that 
that has been coming in the form of Hierophant. We're moving into a Hierophant year in 2021, and I feel it, <laughs> like, hugely. There is so much desire to have someone tell us what to do, where to go, to make our teachers, to make kind of these false prophets or um, people who we've sort of invested everything in, um, the most important thing. Um, and that's not the Hierophant. You know, that's really, unfortunately, a lot of the thinking that's gotten us kind of into this really kind of widespread confusion around, um, I mean, obviously it's extremely important to question sources and to invite our teachers to be in the most integral, um, expression of themselves that they can be. Um, but we're also missing a really important key point, which is that you are the teacher, the center, the guide, the wise one that you've been looking for. And it doesn't mean that we can't be open to different sources of guidance, of clarity, of love, of information, of space holding. I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, I know that this isn't the case for everyone, but we have sources, containers that are holding us in the form of friends, of therapists, of um, folks who are, are speaking about things either spiritually or scientifically or um, in terms of an astronomical process or a weather process or, um, you know, it, it really, I could go on and on that really resonates with us and, um, helps, you know, is, is helpful for us. And at the end of the day, all that's great, but it's not a substitute for you. And, we're already being invited into that work. There's already so much, like, um, so much around that that's, that's happening right now is us really, I think, collectively being invited. Not everybody is hearing the invitation. Some people, um, are getting really activated by the invitation and kind of shifting into other avenues. Um, really being invited to like, let our teachers be our teachers, let the things that influence us, influence us, but have a home base in ourselves. And the Hierophant, who, which is ruled by Taurus, is always showing us, always teaching us that you're standing in the middle of your dual experience. You're standing ideally in the center of your soul knowing your wisdom, your connection with your guides and angels and ancestors and loved ones and guides with both capital G and lowercase g on the other side of the veil, helping you, guiding you, that inner knowing that lives in you, um, that really is quiet, is deeply connected, that can never go away, and the mental chatter the ego fears, you know, the big swirls of experience that we have that are very, very real, not always true, right? Not always true. It doesn't mean our experience isn't true. It just can mean that sometimes the thinking we're invited into is not the truth. So how can we stand in the center and hold both? How can we 
speak from that place. And we say, I know um, I can feel the yes in me and there's fear. I can feel the no in me and the grief and the worry. I can feel both, right? So we're already starting to do deep work on that. And of course, Taurus is also connected to earthiness, sensuality, Venusian themes, the Empress, deep expansion of receiving. I mean, it's a powerful moon to call shit in, powerful, but we got to make room to do that. So what doesn't fit? What doesn't work? If you are alive during this time and you have a pulse, it is coming up for you. A lot of things are not fitting anymore. It doesn't even necessarily mean that anything's wrong with them. We are just growing. I mean, we have the capacity to grow collectively right now and individually at such a rate. Um, that's why so many people are really just kind of collapsing into contraction because <laughs> it's, it's such an intense time of evolution and evolve is our word for the month of November, which we're going to talk about. But there's some really powerful energy moving through us in Samhain. How can we be available to step up, to begin the sacred process of trusting in our own knowing, understanding that there is no there's no person who, you know, we're, we're all doing the best we can in this life as we are. We're all growing um, and really building this collective future together. Um, and that's not kind of a, 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 you know, a kind of a woo-woo thing. It's really that literally there is no future. We are building that future in every moment that we are willing to be present with what is, including the totality of our inner experience. There is so much fear right now. There is so much confusion, so much grief, so much. So many of us feel so numb to it. We don't even know how to begin to honor it. Like it's no joke right now. And there's also profound soul evolution happening right now. People coming into their purpose, people shedding. Um, and again, we're doing our purpose in every moment that we're awake to presence. So that doesn't mean you're out there giving readings or you're out there doing this. That's not necessarily purpose. It's a part of the purpose, perhaps for some. You loving yourself is a part of your purpose. You having compassion with your timing, treating yourself with care, reaching out for resourcing or support or space holding, taking fucking breaks, that is huge soul evolution. That's divesting from capitalist structures from that says you have to go, 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 go. It's a, I mean, it's something we talk about on this podcast ad nauseum, but it's a big time of choice, of inner shifts, of willingness to come back home to that deep wellspring of knowing, of, um, yeah, really deep, um, of self-trust. There's so much noise in the world right now that it can be 
We certainly don't want to bury our heads in the sand, but it can be a very powerful opportunity to gift yourself the chance to go in a little bit. And in fact, this card isn't necessarily um, woven into the reading for the month, but Nine of Wands came up as kind of a card that was like, hey, I want to be spoken about. <laughs> um, and it's a nice it's a nice energy to fold in here because I think that Nine of Wands is one of the most powerful anchor cards for the current times, and that includes all of the most important parts of the current times, really opening our eyes to the realities of climate degradation, of racism, of inequities, um, of um, extreme lack of care and support to marginalized communities, um, the horrific, um, enormous impact that COVID has had on the world, especially on black and brown folks, um, especially on indigenous communities, on BIPOC communities. And that's just like a little bit. Those who are struggling at home to balance work and parenting, um, to hold their mental health, to, I mean, people are broke. They are fucking exhausted. People are working their asses off. Um, we're all like, again, dealing with new lockdowns. It's beyond, right? Like beyond. <laughs> um, we we have to, justice really tells us this. You have to see that. You have to understand that and acknowledge that these systems are coming down in order to be a part of the rebuilding of them. So we don't want to walk away from that. And it's work that's being done in a long, long-term way. This is not overnight. This is not tomorrow. This is over time. And I think that Nine of Wands is one of the most powerful energies and anchors and allies for this work, no matter where we find ourselves in the spectrum um, of capacity, of privilege, of ability to help, where we find ourselves in the kind of intersections of these experiences. Nine of Wands, I think, is, is a really powerful helper around any and all of those kind of um, invitations to really, again, begin to see, to show up, um, to evolve, to grow through the discomfort, and the invitations to really wake up in big, big ways. Um, because Nine of Wands acknowledges there's exhaustion, right? And the exhaustion that's being felt right now is being experienced on a spectrum. So those of us who have the privilege, who have the capacity, um, who are not necessarily moving through the same things as um, someone from a marginalized community might, again, we all operate on different intersections, 100%. Um, Everybody feels the grief and exhaustion of this time. The intensity of it is all felt totally differently. But Nine of Wands acknowledges right off the bat, um, A, there is a sense of tiredness. There is a sense of um, 
feeling, that, that experience of, whoa, you know, like we're kind of feeling a little beat up. So I, for me, um, I'm always keeping in mind the intersections of my privilege. Um, and it's an opportunity for me to acknowledge, like, absolutely, my, my experience of exhaustion is valid and I can also step up and be of service. There are also invitations for me to honor my exhaustion so that um, I can leverage my privilege. I can show up for my community. I can X, Y, Z, right? Um, For other folks, it might be, whoa, I want to acknowledge my exhaustion so I can give myself the fucking permission to take a nap. So I can give myself the permission to take an hour out of my time that's being um, devoted to my community, to welcoming in more support so that I can take more breaks as are deserved, speaking absolutely to BIPOC folks right now. Um, so among other communities, again, who, who um, deserve that sense of rest. Nine of Wands, I think, really teaches us how to rest and not stop. And that is really important right now, especially as November is a very big month. (laughs) No matter where you're living, where you happen to find yourself on this planet or in this world, it is a very big month, very big. Um, And we can't shut off or shut down in response to it. The eyes have to stay open. But Nine of Wands does teach us we're not trying to burn out, blow out, go so far that we can't really maintain our presence, you know, our responsiveness, our aliveness to suffering, to support and care to our own well-being, right? So it teaches us, yes, acknowledge the work. Yes, acknowledge what you are being invited to do today at this time, the support and the care, the service you're being invited to offer to your communities, to the world right now. And where are you being invited in that spectrum to rest, to restore, to nourish unapologetically so you can continue to be there. You know, we have this perception like, oh my God, I can't deal with it. I'm just going to shut off um, really to everything right now. And we don't necessarily want to do one or the other. You know, Nine of Wands really teaches us that there's this beautiful kind of balancing act that we're always being invited to do. And it's such a powerful invitation and, and such a good ally for this month for us um, because it both invites us to establish and strengthen resilience around challenges, discomforts, again, like challenging material, so to speak, or, or um, arising and really staying with things that are difficult again and really acknowledging the places within ourselves where we believe we're not worthy 
of that rest, where we believe we're not worthy of taking space, where we feel uncomfortable with those things, either because we're so hypervigilant and there's a lot of trauma, um, often rightfully so, or because we feel a sense of guilt and we're not helping anyone or ourselves by um, continuing to invest in that. So it's really a very transformative energy and I think weaves in quite beautifully with a lot of the invitations of November. So it's a potent card definitely for these times. Our word for November is evolve. So I speak about evolution probably more than any other word <laughs> in everything I do, my offerings, my podcast, everything you've heard me talk about evolution and evolving ad nauseum. And essentially what we're talking about here is actually growing and flowering through discomfort and uncomfortable situations. And that's not new. You're here because you did that. You know, you're, you're literally here, like listening or not listening to this podcast because you have agreed, said yes to evolving through what you've been handed in this life. That doesn't mean it was fair. That doesn't mean it was easy. It doesn't mean that you should not or do not deserve to be honored, acknowledged, witnessed in often the senselessness of those invitations to evolve. Um, and yet you're here. And when we remember, you know, we can get, it can be so painful to move through times like this where things feel so scary, so deeply unjust, so unfair. There's so much rage, so much. How can we bow to those parts of ourselves while not necessarily taking our foot off the gas, while not disengaging? Evolution is about staying awake during discomfort, during moments where there is a dissonant, dissonance in us that is so great that it actually stimulates change. How many people listening to this have had an experience that you can pinpoint where something happened, something came into your worldview, something came into your life that was challenging, uncomfortable, upsetting, maybe even in a life-altering way that radically shifted who you were. And I'm not romanticizing the process of soul-centered evolution. It is, in many ways, a brutal process. The nervous system, of course, does not want us to be uncomfortable, does not want things to be um, in, in any way disruptive, upsetting, um, and we don't want that. Like, hi, of course we don't. And yet many of us can most likely point to, yes, I had an experience where it was really like I could evolve or die and I evolved 
and by the way, death is not, um, I in no way want to be disrespectful to that option. And yet there is something very powerful in acknowledging that we don't come to this planet to have necessarily comfortable experiences. It doesn't mean that we cannot reach for more equity, more ease, more comfort. We are just simply here to grow. And when we look at this word evolve, when we look at the invitation of evolution, it's essentially inviting us to be in compassionate tending of the parts of ourselves that are feeling really activated right now, really contracted, really upset, the stuff that is feeling so confusing, so uncomfortable, that's really just bringing up all of the feelings. We're all going through that right now, collectively, personally, across the board, period, no matter kind of where you're at on the spectrum. Without um, making anything feel romanticized in any way, without kind of um, bypassing the, the pain and the injustice and the unfairness of many of these things, when we remember that it's not necessarily about, well, when we remember that evolving, growing, learning is possible even in the most uncomfortable situations. It can help. It can help us to stay with things. It can help us to really crack and flower open. It can help us to remember the larger journey that we're on, which is really that we are here to evolve. We are here to grow through things that invite us into discomfort, evolutionary discomfort, that invite us into contraction. So it's not saying like, oh my God, great, more discomfort. The discomfort is here. It's here, period. <laughs> like it's been here. Are we actually bowing to it? What do we need? What is needed? This is a review time too. What is needed in this time before this huge month begins to unfold? What would help in this month that is ushering us from the dying, clearing, shedding energy to a space of integration, of rest, and of synthesis before we prepare seasonally for a new kind of rebirth. You know, it's it's crazy to believe that it's November and yet like April is not that far away, <laughs> you know. It's pretty wild, but we are being invited to evolve. That means acknowledging the hard stuff and knowing that we can grow through it. We can grow through it. We have to grow through it. Everybody our card for the month, incredibly, is death. And I say incredibly because we're in Scorpio season. 
Scorpio season, baby, best time of the year. <laughs> Scorpio season is a little wild, but um, it is my most favorite time of the year. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild because in this reading, we start with death, which is ruled by Scorpio, and we end in temperance, which is ruled by Sagittarius. And those are the two zodiac signs that we will kind of journey through in November, which is kind of crazy. What does it mean to have our card for the month of November ruled by death? Well, it means that the invitation is really fucking solid. It means that November itself is, um, the sun is in Scorpio. We are moving through these huge Plutonian themes right now. Things being uncovered, unearthed, excavated. We're really um, looking at all of that from, again, I know for myself, just personally, I'm going through so much of that right now. Um, just really reviewing a lot of even like thought patterns and old kind of mental patterns that aren't even necessarily true for me, but are more kind of very old. Um, some of them inherited. Those are like popping up like crazy right now because we're moving into such a, I mean, we really are shifting. Um, there's a lot of, again, eyes are most certainly opening um, to what the planet is needing in order to continue to carry on. Um, the places in which we've stayed asleep for so long that we've been quite wake, quite late to wake up to what is needed in terms of service and um, being really... Um, allies and accomplices in the face of many of the places that are, are needing our assistance and help right now, our own self-care. So many of us have betrayed ourselves, pushed ourselves, not wanted to acknowledge the preferences of our bodies. Like all of that is a part of it. All of it is a part of what's coming up. Plutonian stuff is really the stuff that lives in that deep underworld place the places that are a little harder to lean into, to look at some folks name that as shadow work, some, you know, whatever it is, um, that's in the invitation in a huge way. Um, it is certainly happening collectively and it's very easy when the invitation to wake up and evolve is so great to get invited into fear, to get invited into wanting an answer in some way and being completely swept away by some sort of um, alternative invitation that seems so promising and yet is 100% damaging and not true. So there's so much happening right now. Um, and to be resting in the invitation of the death card really is just kind of doubling down and just really affirming, yes, like the bigness of the scorpionic nature of this time. It's really more of a judgment energy, but death is here. So here's the deal with death. What we talked about with the full moon energy of it all is very similar to this, to this energy around death. Death has nothing to do with, um, well, I do not teach it as having anything to do with physical death. It's different. Um, it's not a promise or an indication of a loss of some kind. Um, not necessarily. It is a kind of a transformational process in which we 
are invited to go out to the garden of our lives. It's an appropriate time for this. Um, and to look very closely at what you have planted or what has been planted by your caretakers, by your upbringing, whatever it is, in your garden and go plant by plant, weed by weed, flower by flower, you know, um, crop by crop, and just say, does this fit anymore? Is this dead? Has this died a long time ago? That's really the key, you know? And because it's not a superfluous thing. It's not like we're like, oh, I'm not a fan of these flowers anymore. <laughs> you know, toss them away. It's acknowledging, sometimes it's a brutal acknowledgement that there are things in our lives that we have outgrown. There are things in our lives that, while we're not even looking, sometimes die on the vine. And we can keep going and going and going with them because we might feel somewhere in us like this has changed. I, I can't, it's just not happening in the same way anymore. I don't know why or how or whatever. But with death as our card of the month, this is our big work. And it is a strong evolutionary process because is that going to bring up discomfort to acknowledge that there are things in our lives that we have perhaps cherished, put a lot of work into that are ready for one reason or another to be laid on the compost pile, to be laid on the fire, to be grieved, to be released. It doesn't always mean that anything was wrong with it. It just means that as it's existed for you in your life, it has done everything that it was meant to do. And it's meant to have a new life in a new form. I've been moving through death energy. Um, death card has been a strong card in my um, like 2020 uh, or 2020 this year. Um, and there's been like a lot of kind of this laying on the fire motif and a tremendous amount of what I, like it has shocked me the level of like, oh my God, this doesn't want to happen anymore. I've outgrown this. The grief has in some ways really swept me away. Um, and the grief is actually such an important part of death. Um, it's the part we tend to skip across the board. <laughs> we don't want to feel grief. It's, it's extremely intense. Um, but the thing that has been so powerful in my own experience with kind of laying, being willing to kind of say, okay, like if this part of my work or my life doesn't have a place anymore, um, I'm willing to lay it down. And if it wants to come back to me in some different form, I'm open to that too. And in some ways in some cases that has started to happen where I've realized like, oh, wow, this was, this needed to go in the way that it was happening. Um, but not the happening of it. And I'm, I'm in that now too, in a whole new way and nothing's wrong. 
It's just a very natural part. We death, death is an extremely natural part of life. It doesn't mean it's comfortable. It doesn't mean we like it. And it doesn't mean just like um, the lovers doesn't have anything to do <laughs> with lovers. Um, death does not always, it, it's sometimes even um, really painful uh, and reductive to lay down death card energy onto our own personal experiences of loss. Because of course, um, if we lose somebody that we love, they're not going to come back in the same form that they were when they were alive. We may have a different experience with them once they've passed, maybe not. So we want to be very, very respectful to that. We're talking about at least for my teachings, other tarot teachers may speak differently about it. And I totally respect that. But for me, um, this, and especially this month, this is really about honoring the death of a lot (laughs) and what is meant to go. For some of us, it will be, you know, ways that we've worked, projects we've done. Death card only, you know, in some cases, relationships The point of the death card is not to take away, to sweep away everything we've ever loved and cherished. It is to make room in our gardens for the possibility of new life. The things that die on the vine, that come to us, that let us know, sweetheart, I'm ready. No more. I got to go. Maybe I'll come back, maybe I won't, but it's been an honor. If we don't try to keep them going after they've died, we make room. We honor that natural process of release. We evolve through that discomfort. The ego fucking hates this card. It'll say, what the hell are you doing letting this go? You should fight. You should this and that. And with death card, it's very wise to bow over to what is ready to go. And so there's going to be a lot of that. And it is all too easy to kind of separate ourselves from the grief of that. You have to grieve it in whatever way that means for you. It's really important to honor and acknowledge that. And to also know that sometimes death is very, very nebulous, very quiet. It doesn't happen with this thunderclap that we often think. I'm talking about death card, not death in general. Um, the death card doesn't often happen with this big, like thunder, you know, this thunderclap or a lightning bolt. Um, and it is a strong invitation to make room and to also remind us nothing ever truly dies, ever. And that's not like a platitude; <laughs> like it's really true. And. And in fact, this kind of um, sacred fertilizer energy of death card, if we're laying something on the fire, if we're putting something on the compost pile, it's not gone. It's becoming food to help nurture and, and help the new things that are ready to be planted, whether we know it or not, grow. We are growing. We have to make room in order to really flower in the direction of what wants to come through us. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. And it doesn't mean that it's comfortable. It doesn't mean that your ego is going to be comfortable with it. How can you hold yourself through this necessary process of rebirth um, so that 
you feel comforted and held through potentially these big realizations, transformations, releases, shedding, the natural way that um, of this time on the wheel of the year and also what we're moving through as a collective and individually. How can you make room for tenderness, compassion, deep care? You know, whom can you pro- who can you process with? Who can you share that with? Can you have journaling? Can you make room for song? Can you make room for circle time? You know, whatever it is. The card that is showing up as our teacher for November is Four of Wands. So this one's a pretty bold thing. <laughs> in, in the face of all this strong, like, evolution, death work, all of this stuff. Um, any four that we work with... Um, it kind of creates a little foundation, uh, like a table uh, or a little box. And it there's a sturdiness to the fours, and, and they are meant to solidify a foundation or a container for us where we can nurture our own root systems of support. So four of swords essentially says, what are the ways in which you can literally tell the mind when things are very chattery, when they're very loud, like I'm putting you over here. (laughs) Like I'm staying off of this today. I'm taking space for me. I'm going to prioritize speaking or talking with this person who really helps me. How can I develop and work with these, these ways, these processes of kind of quieting the mind? When we work with Four of Pentacles, we're talking about body boundaries. The body may not want to go out as much, may not want to have, it wants to be a little bit more insular. And with Four of Cups, what we're talking about is this energy of, can we let ourselves digest these emotional experiences? Like, can we not rush into the next thing? We're not missing anything. You know, can we integrate? You know, Four of Wands creates the same invitation, but has a totally different spectrum of color and invitation that it, it says things are hard. You're working. It's challenging. It's uncomfortable. Where do you derive joy? Can you prioritize rest, care, laughter, fun, That sounds so superfluous, and yet it could not be more important. It is a teacher precisely because it's going to be challenging to work with. We're not going to want to do that. The nervous, many of our nervous systems in November are going to be quite activated through parts of November. We want to meet that with deep care. Four of Wands doesn't say bypass put your head in the sand, just ignore. It says, can you leave your phone at home and go for a hike if that's available for you? Can you take a bath and read a book? Can you just breathe for five minutes? What's something that brings you joy? How can we balance the reality, the invitations, the the kind of emergent energies of the current moment with things that bring us joy. It doesn't need to again be like, woohoo, I'm having such a great time. 
It's just the pleasure of like potentially watching a show that you love or doing a puzzle or like listening to a podcast that isn't necessarily informative or educational, but just fun, um, sparking and reaching for joy as a radical act of restoration. It's not easy and yet very important this month. The lesson of the month ahead is Knight of Pentacles. So this is about movement. Knights are about movement. They're about pace. When we work with knights, we're, we're kind of connecting with that energy of air. Knight of Pentacles is slow. It's checking in on all the directions before starting the car. It's aiming that bow and arrow before letting it go. It's making sure that target is really lined up. It's preparation. Preparation. This month is a time where many of us may be really, really fired up, where we want to take immediate action on something. I'm not saying that immediate action isn't really important, but even if you're taking five to 10 extra minutes to kind of ground center and check in about things, you will be engaging with Knight of Pentacles in a strong rooted evolutionary way. It doesn't mean don't do. It doesn't mean don't act. It means prepare before you do. Um, we are still moving through a lot of retrograde energy um, through much of November starting to move out of that a little bit, but it's a really important time. Um, when we look at this, this lesson, you know, again, like what are we learning about? Um, we're learning to not act impulsively. We're learning that action is possible without, um, blowing our nervous systems out, blowing out our adrenals, that it is possible to pause, to check in, it is possible and that it's wise to do so. It's wise to let things take their time when possible. It's wise to, so if we're kind of taking it out of the larger collective themes, even just personally for you, if you're making a decision about something, whatever it is, um, be willing to let it go at its, be willing to get it really aligned. So much of what's happening right now is because there's been forever, not like right now, but this just, we're, most of us are reacting very impulsively out of hypervigilance, like all the time. Anyway, Knight of Pentacles is such a great antidote to that energy because it says you're going to move. It's just like, why not move with all of your shit in line? Um, and it's not making perfection its goal. It's more making, if you're going to move, Knight of Pentacles says, well, let's move together in a way where you only have to do it once to really hit the bullseye here. Um, so that's really powerful. And I think that this is coming up for us in a couple of different ways. I think, again, collectively, it's good medicine um, not to preclude or prevent us from taking really strong, bold action but just having the back end and the forward facing um, next steps in place, I think is really important. And to us personally, November is a time where a lot of growth invitations to evolve, invitations to release are going to be coming up. 
and where a lot is going to come forward collectively that we don't necessarily have any immediate control over. And it can make us want to instantly, instantly act. And there's a lot in this reading that absolutely says, yes, act. Don't, there's never a moment where it was invited, you know, where we were told not to or invited not to. How we are responding is the, the thing that we just want to bear in mind. That's, and, and this card is really showing up in, in strong assistance and support around that idea. Where are we transforming? Where are we really doing our evolving this month? Strength. The heart. Strength is such an unbelievably powerful, important energy and represents an invitation to touch in, maybe we could say confront, um, engage with what scares us inside of ourselves. Um, obviously, we're not doing this in a way that is too much or overwhelms our capacity to cope, but that we're touching in with those parts of ourselves that feel really scary um, to the degree that we feel able to be with them. Sometimes we want to invite in other sources of support or to challenges, period, with a very open, soft heart. Not from a place of weakness, not from a place of like, oh, I'm going to meet everything with like love and light here. Um, we can still have boundaries. We can still speak very clearly. Um, but very often what we find with strength is that we can get really swept up into the worst thing is going to happen here. Or this is a part of myself I cannot love. This is a part of my life I cannot love. Um, and this can extend to how could I possibly have a conversation with somebody who is different from me? How could I possibly engage with someone on this topic? So we're not letting ourselves be doormats. Um, we transform through strength card work. Because if we're coming at ourselves or another person from a space of defense, from a space of closed, you know, if we're closed, it's really easy to feel that. And the other person or ourselves are likely going to feel defended and closed. If we are willing to say, you know, there is a desire, I'm nervous, I feel a little defensive about this, but I would love to connect as well and as best as I can here on this, if you feel available to that. And if we can start with that willingness, I'm willing, you know, it can really shift things. Where we may really be invited to do the deepest work with strength, where we're transforming is with ourselves. We are so fucking horrible to ourselves, so many of us, and not even us, us, but many of us have um, ways that... Um, maybe we were spoken to that now we have like inner processes that kind of speak to us in the same voice. We can really beat up on ourselves. We can really get into those really hard feelings. There's something wrong with me, deficient in me. I'm not okay. 
There's this part of me that isn't an okay part of the whole. I can't, I can't embrace it. There's no way. Um, and I think that I don't know that I'm going to be able to speak to it so eloquently right now, but I think that's a big deal right now, period, that there's a tremendous amount of, of, um, blaming and othering and we, there's very little willingness to look at ourselves. Um, and that doesn't mean that we can't offer some feedback when needed or warranted or, um, if, if, um, desired or whatever, but it does mean that we don't want to leave ourselves out of the equation that also goes for compassionate care, that it can be so easy to see, well, this person is feeling so tender, so sensitive, they're activated, they're moving through their own expression of sacred anger or grief. But when we have those feelings, we can tend to feel like, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? I should be better. I should be this. And strength card comes in and essentially says, that lion is a part of you. You are the person on the card and you are the lion. And there is an inner caretaker, an inner holder of your experience and your emotional side and the big feelings that we have and the parts of us that are wild, that are connected to this kind of larger, more primal, more subconscious uh, part of us or just even a part of us that we feel so terrified of that represents our brilliance, our beauty, our intimacy, whatever it is. And we can tend to be closed off and defended around that. We can tend to think that if we're, if we are defensive, if we are closed off, it'll go away. Or if we reject it, it'll somehow vanish. But strength says, can you be brave enough, courageous enough to come forward heart first? It's no joke. And it doesn't mean everybody's going to deserve that. (laughs) There's, there's wise boundaries to draw here, but when you find yourself really, really locked in this story, like I'm not okay. I can't, I can't confront this. I can't face this thing, you know, about me. Um, can you call upon this energy? Can you remember that you are both the lion and the caretaker and that the lion softens when we bring the heart to it? You know, it's a really brave, powerful thing and yet can radically transform the way that we engage with ourselves and each other in some pretty big ways. What we're releasing is eight of pentacles. So the thing about releasing cards is it's very helpful to know what we're walking into or welcoming forward. And for us, that's temperance. So we want to look at these two together. And I'll start with temperance first, and then we'll kind of weave into Eight of Pentacles. So temperance is coming up around what we are welcoming forward in November. And temperance is another wildly transformative energy ruled by Sagittarius, um, that has to do with us making the evolutionary leap to needing everything to happen from the perspective of the ego, the mind, what's known, what we can see, and beginning to shift into a surrendered, spacious willingness to co-create with spirit. That's essentially it. To say, 
rather than me trying to make this happen, figure it out, break my back, do all of this strategizing, all of this manipulating, all of these different ways of trying to get my way in the door, if it's especially if it hasn't been working, when we welcome temperance forward, we essentially bow to the fact that like, whoa, we have tried everything (laughs) to make this thing happen, to do this thing. And in our day-to-day, in the um, small moments and in the big, that we make space to say, well, this is what I prefer. And I don't know how to get to it. And I don't know how to make it happen. Spirit, I want to land this in your, I want to hand this over to you so that I am exactly where I need to be to receive this, walk into this, create this, or something even better. And I know that I can't necessarily do it on my own. I would love to be able to work with you. I would love to be open to what is in my highest and best and in the highest and best of the entire planet. So may it be so. And then we don't like just sit around and wait. Then we come back to presence. We honor the fact that we may not know where the fuck we're being guided in temperance. If we can follow those breadcrumb trails, those instincts, those moments, those hunches. Um, Temperance is a very hard card to integrate kind of because it it is so um, big and yet the the reality of it like there's always a difference with certain cards between kind of the conceptual piece and the realistic piece that we're actually working with in kind of a constructive way and the realistic the, the conceptual pieces that this is like a huge sweeping card where we're opening to spirit we're allowing there's this kind of rebirth of self or the ego and the grip of the ego some part of it dies in the death card and we're sort of reborn, not necessarily in this like big religious kind of whatever sense, but we go through these rebirths all the time. They're often a lot more kind of microcosmic than we want to give them credit for. Um, the mind can tend to like really blow them out. Like, oh my God, this thing is so big. But if we've been trying to, let's say, find and meet our beloved, if we've been trying to figure out how to get featured in this thing, if we've been trying to figure out how to do X, Y, Z, and we've tried like every way we know how, and it's not working, that's where temperance can come in and say, Hey, I want to help you receive this or better. You're just not going to be able to do it with the egos, like kind of array of options. You need some extra invisible beyond the veil support. Um, we see that reflected in the imagery of temperance where, um, you know, the angel's feet, one foot is balanced kind of on this rock and another foot is kind of floating in the water. And if we attempted to do that, we'd fall and probably hurt ourselves in the way that the water from cup to cup is, um, flowing. If we tried to do that, likely we'd spill it. So there's a kind of a sacred balancing act that is possible when we open to things that are larger than us. So that means whatever it means to you. That might mean you pray. You may hate the idea of prayer. It might mean that you set down intentions. It might mean that you stop trying to get the thing 
that you've been asking for, asking for, asking for, and just open it up a little bit larger and say this or better. Maybe there's something different. Maybe there's something a little better. Maybe the dream that you've been cherishing is meant to come to you in a totally different way than you ever imagined that it would. That can be a part of the death work that we do here too. Not necessarily that we're not receiving what we would have hoped for and desired. It just could be that the journey of getting to it is totally different and we need to let go of a particular story or a particular preference that just may not, for one reason or another, we never quite always know why things happen the way they do. Um, Just might not be for us right now. So temperance says you don't have to do all this shit on your own anymore. Like you have guides, you have angels, you have ancestors, you have, um, you have beings that are helping you, wanting, desiring to support you in everything you do and not in a magical thinking way, like literally are holding possibilities of evolution and of blessings and of abundance and support for you that you could we could barely imagine are possible. And that again, that doesn't mean we get everything we want. It just means that even in the hardest of times, we can be held. And why not? So eight of pentacles to kind of reflect back to that. So temperance is what we're welcoming in, what we want to open the door to. How can you essentially make working with the other side of the veil, not just something that happens on Samhain, but some shit that happens every fucking day because it's like a muscle. The more you work with it, call it in, the stronger it's going to be, the more active it's going to be for you. So with that being said, um, with what we're letting go of, what we're releasing this month, we have eight of pentacles. So eight of pentacles, it doesn't mean we're letting go of it. It's not so linear like that. It means that we are shifting kind of the weight on our feet in in some ways um, from eight of pentacles to temperance. Now, eight of pentacles says and really rewards and, and encourages us to kind of learn and grow through experience. And it's not by releasing it, we're not saying, oh, don't learn and grow through experience. What it's saying to us very specifically is, likely you have tried 9,000 bazillion different ways to get at the next thing you're wanting for your purpose, for your life. You've likely tried it all. You've likely done all the research, all the strategy, all the things, all 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 of the stuff from the perspective of what you can control, right? So essentially by releasing eight of pentacles and welcoming and temperance, we're honoring everything you have tried to do up until this point to receive, to bring in, to move into the next kind of evolution of your life. This is not, again, some kind of esoteric idea We are in a collective profound discomfort right now, profound grief. And I'm not saying everybody has to be so charged up about evolving. Um, We're either, it is an evolve or die time though. We're either evolving or devolving. 
There are some folks who are devolving. They can recenter anytime. If we're available to grow through what we're handed, if we're available to invite in more support, it is possible to honor via Eight of Pentacles all of the things that we've tried in order to move into this kind of expanded um, offering of our services, willingness to receive a little bit more support, whatever you're nourishing, whatever your dreams are, are that you are nourishing for yourself and for your community. But with temperance, it says, great, now that we've acknowledged all that, we can also acknowledge that perhaps the only thing you've ever done is just surrendered it up to those who are holding space for you on the other side of the veil. So why not try? Why not make room for this or better? We may not get what we want this month. There's a lot of totally unanswered, obscure things right now that are coming this month. How do we respond to that? How do we stay tethered with ourselves? How do we take empowered action in the face of that? And how do we let die what's ready to die? How do we make room for the new? How do we make room for things that may even be better than our best case scenario? That happens only through honoring and making space for soul evolution, soul-centered evolution. Soul is just the truth of you. It's the part of you that when expressed, is the perfect synthesis of your wisdom, your heart, your guides, um, those who are being, you know, the creation that's being channeled through you, and what makes you you. Your soul is, you know, again, it's the truth of you, truth with a capital T. When we evolve in that way, we grow on all levels as a person, in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, in our expression. So why not make room for the potential that the discomfort that might arise might even be the contraction that's standing with us and the next step after that might be a really big evolution, really big expansion that might offer a lot more clarity, that might provide you with a renewed sense of purpose, a sense of oneness with your ancestors who you may not know personally. I don't know a lot of my ancestors, um, but we can reach out to the loving well ancestors that are there with us no matter what. Um, if the words or term well ancestors don't resonate with you and you want to open your arms to all of them, please do. Because even the ones who might not have done the greatest things are still some of the strongest teachers we have on the other side of the veil. Truly. Oof. It's a big month, wild souls. Please prioritize the care and well-being of your body. Please, if you can and you haven't done so, vote. I understand voting for some communities is the best it can offer is ultimately harm reduction. With what we have going on now, <laughs> let's take reduction of harm. Let's start there. Especially, I'm talking to those of you who hold white privilege who can vote in this country, in the United States. Please get out and vote. Please wear a mask. 
please continue to take care of yourselves. Please show up for each other. And please, um, above all things, uh, really not above all things, um, but with all of that, um, please, please be gentle with yourselves. This is a long process of growth, of realization, of not just opening our eyes, but keeping them open. How can you care for yourself in times like these, unprecedented times? What is needed? How can you not apologize for that? Truly. I'm loving you, wild souls. Happy Samhain. Happy Day of the Dead. Happy Halloween. Please be safe. Please show up. Um, and until we meet again, please take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.